A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times. Suddenly, the impossible seemed very possible. Tottenham are the best team in the Premier League, according to Antonio Conte. They've cut Chelsea's lead to four points and they meet in the FA Cup on Saturday. Game on, John. It really is game on. And I do think, quite apart from the FA Cup at stake, I do think it would have a huge effect on the, on the title race, just simply because of confidence and belief. It would, If Tottenham win on Saturday, bearing in mind that Chelsea then play first in the next instalment of the title race, I think they will have 24 hours less recovery time. I think they will feel very, very flat. And I think they would find it very difficult to overcome Southampton, who so shouldn't underestimate this importance as a, as a game, as a fixture, in, not just for the FA Cup, but I do actually think the winners of this could end up going on to win the double. It's that big. It really is, it really is huge. And you have to worry a little bit about Chelsea because they will be flat. Let's be honest about this. I think that Chelsea have been overall the best team this season by some distance. But on current form, it's very difficult to disagree with Conte because Tottenham are on fire. They're playing with a zip, with a momentum with a great inventive and, and wonderful, wonderful style. And at the moment, you'd have to put them as, as strong favourites, I think, against Chelsea. And Tottenham have become the neutrals team, haven't they, because of the, you know, the, the vibrancy of their play. What about the way that they've built that team in terms of, you know, it's almost like built organically, isn't it? You know, young players, common cause. What does it say about the game that someone like Tottenham can still provide a team in that way? Well, it says, first of all, the game is, is wasting a huge amount of money and also a, a huge sort of resource that's always been there, which is young talent. Um, I think when you talk about there not being any young players anymore, well, Pochettino, is, he hasn't created these young players, but by giving them a chance, he's created them as top-level footballers. We might not have known if Harry Kane or, or Deli Alley were going to be top Premier League footballers had Pochettino not had the faith to use them. And, and there's an ongoing process there that, that reminds me a little bit about what you know Alex Ferguson did at Manchester United where it's not just about the generation that's playing now but you see the the Anomas, the Harry Winks, the, the Vimmers that, that sort of come in and get four or five games here and there and you know in f- future seasons they'll be getting their chance as well. The only thing I'd say is um, it has been easier for Pochettino to do this at Tottenham because he doesn't have the 
the pressure to deliver instant success that, that, that the biggest managers have. And Jose Mourinho was talking about this the other week, saying that you know, as at Manchester United, you have to deliver and deliver now, and that's his problem with using you know Rashford and Fossi Mensa and all that from the start. If you look at Pochettino, um, I think he's what, finished fifth and third in two seasons, not got to cup final. Um, he's doing an incredible job in building the club, as we've said, but he doesn't have that pressure to deliver results now. And I think if you look at a top, you know, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea. If the manager there had finished fifth and third and not got to a cup final, they'd be under an enormous amount of pressure now, which which he isn't. So we have to recognise that. But I admire what he's doing, and, and I wish more managers would would just reach into their own youth teams and mm-hmm. have a look around the way he's done. So, so in other words, really, Tottenham have got to prove to us that they can play under pressure, under that weight of expectation. They have a bit, yeah. I do feel that with with Pochettino, the, the next step has to be to win a trophy it has to be I know that sounds obvious yeah. mm-hmm. but he has laid wonderful foundations but I have to say I thought they messed up in Europe I mean to, mm-hmm. to, to miss out on the, on the Champions League qualification uh, into the knockout stages and then Europa League really that's a very poor yeah. you know mm-hmm. excuse really I mean obviously the Wembley curse <laughs> you know will, will be mentioned at great length again it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for them and it, you wonder whether the psychological factor will come into it. But much more than that, I think for, for Pochettino to go from a brilliant manager with great potential and, and with, with building an incredibly exciting team to one of the potentially the greats, if you like, he has to take this team of potential, of young talent, show that they can handle it and kind of take on, uh, on to the next level by winning silverware. I still think they're the outsiders in, in the title race. It's Chelsea's to lose. It has to be. It's four points. But if they were to win an FA Cup, for, for example, or some major silverware in the next couple of years, and I, I still regard that uh, uh, the FA Cup as a major silverware, make no mistake about that, I love the trophy, then I do think that that kind of proves Pochettino as a really established young manager. Because at the moment, he, he took them so far last season I think he's built such an exciting team and such a promising squad that it would be wrong if they don't take the next step and win some silverware. Mm. Do you think that, you know, we all know in football that, that money just doesn't talk, it screams. <laughs> Has he got the added pressure of knowing that economically will they be able to keep an Ali or a Harry Kane in the long term? In other words, they've got to win now. Yeah, he, he, he has got that pressure. Um, I don't think it's, it, it's a now in the sense of this season, but, but that's going to loom very, very quickly, mm-hmm. especially for Deli Alley, I think, above all, because every club in Europe is, 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 is going to want a player like that. Um, Harry Kane maybe slightly less, so I can see him being Tottenham captain for a long time and maybe that, that relationship being the centrepiece of his career. Um, I think what Pochettino has got, though, is this air about him of, of sort of having an adventure with this young group of players and ignoring things like that to a certain extent almost like do you want to be with me you know this is this is fun we're going to do this together I was watching I was at the game on, on Saturday I was watching Arthur Boric come off the off the pitch and he was embracing Pochettino like a, you know his long lost big brother and I saw Adam Lallana do that last season when Liverpool visited and he's got this charisma this air uh, where he's saying to players look there's something else other than money that you can play for here you can play for for this, for us, and I love that about him. Mm, and he's also you know, not been slowing having a dig at Chelsea's um, you know, money-driven 
policy, you know, mm. with Abramovich and everything else. So he's pretty cute. He's putting putting the the pressure on uh, Chelsea, isn't he? Yeah, I thought I thought it was cute by by Conte just mm. trying to turn up the mind games yeah. a little bit mm. by saying the pressure's on Tottenham in a way mm. because he's saying, well, if they are the best team and he clearly thinks that they are on form at the moment, then go on, deliver it. And I think Pochettino is no is no stranger to that. I think he's very very clever at what he says. I think he's matured so much while he's been at Tottenham. He's, he talks much more confidently. You can see it even in press conferences. And people might say, oh, well, yeah, well, that's irrelevant. But actually, in delivering a message to players in the dressing room, I think it's incredibly relevant how you get across that point. And he has that connection with the players. And I thought uh, one of the best sort of kind of post-match press conferences I've read in, in recent times was what, what he said after Burnley. So they're nil-nil at Burnley. They know they've got to absolutely win at Burnley to kind of maintain this title momentum. He says he's basically, he detailed in, in full after that game exactly what he said at half-time. He said they didn't play well. They'd had two injuries. Normally gives them five minutes to call off um, and doesn't say a word. Collect, allows them to collect their thoughts. But he got them into the dressing room, said, we're going to change it here. We're going to change our process now as well. He changed the formation, got straight into the players, got straight into what they needed to do individually and what they needed to change as a group, and they went on to win the game. And I just thought it was a fascinating insight into, into managers. So few managers are bold and change things and do substitutions and, and change players and change systems. Pochettino is an absolute master of that. I think it's one of his best qualities. His connection with players, but also his ability to change. His in-game management is outstanding. Yeah. What are we learning about Antonio Conte in this whole situation? Well, we're going to learn a lot more because he, Chelsea have been in a, almost this bubble. As John said, they've been the best team this season overall by, by quite a long way. And, and because of that, they've probably had about eight or nine weeks of being top of the league by a margin without it even being a question asked about whether they're going to win it or not. And are all of us just heaping praise on how brilliant Conte is, how brilliant the players are. And... It, it, it's happened so fast, but they've got to snap out of that now and deal with a, a proper contest. And we will see a different side of Conte now. I was surprised at him at Old Trafford on Sunday. I thought he looked, I wasn't at the game watching him though, he just looked a bit passive as management, which isn't what we associate with him at all. Um, he's changed it once, you know, it, they had a crisis point in the autumn when he obviously changed formation and brought brought that out. Um, he's going to have to do it again. And, and that temper that that kind of emotion that I think he keeps pent up you can see how's that gonna how, how's that gonna work now I mean it's really interesting mm, so in that sense are we seeing the ultimate revenge of Jose Mourinho because he's shown basically everyone how to deal with Chelsea you know shackle the the wing yeah. backs and put put pressure you know through a man marker on people like Hazard yeah. people now look at Chelsea and they think they can get at them they do, and I thought it was fascinating, wasn't it? It was Jose's revenge. I mean, you, you, basically, he was he was fired up. What he said post-match after the cup game, Judas is still number one. Yeah. I mean, it was a brilliant remark. It was the, one of the quotes of the season, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. a fabulous, typical Mourinho soundbite, you know, making the point that I've still won 
more more titles and trophies than than you know this guy Conte, who clearly slightly is is rankled by. It's like almost like <laughs> sort yeah. of a spurned lover, isn't it? Basically, <laughs> he's sort of kind of jealous, and he makes little barbs, yeah. doesn't he, about yeah. the counter-attacking yeah. team and he things keeps like that. Banging on about him being the most defensive coach yeah, in the world. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, I don't think he likes it, does he? But I, I do think that Mourinho is, is a past master at that. Yeah. I wondered whether Mourinho had slightly lost his knack of being able to manage and sort of really oversee kind of one-off games and win-off one-off games. But he clearly showed that he's got that within his locker still. He found the template. I think it has to be said something playing up two up against Chelsea's back three and pushing them all the way, which is just so, you know, not the done thing at the moment, isn't it? Play with two strikers. But it seems to be the way. And Chelsea, I think you have to find um, a different solution from somewhere that if you are going to you know mark hazard out kind of getting him on the game the midfield balance trying to work that way what's happened to costa costa's mm. performance mm. is off a cliff and basically they haven't got a backup on alternative to him but he it's not just about goals he's all round performance he's not is got shocking. over not going to china has he no probably not i think he i think he was done okay since january but the last 6 weeks or so has been very, very poor. I think he's, I thought his performance at Bournemouth, which I was at, I mean, blimey, they've won the game for a yeah. month and he's offered nothing. The ball's bounced off him. It's, you know, I know he's sort of kind of, he will claim a goal, but it was a massive deflection down as an own goal. But his all-round performance was shocking, really mm. poor. Doesn't look like Costa is going to be at Chelsea next season, no. being realistic. We also know now for definite that John Terry won't be there. One, were you surprised at the timing of that announcement this week? And two, can you give me a retrospective look at how good John Terry has been, not just for Chelsea, yeah. but for English football? I was surprised. Um, I spent a bit of time with Gus Hiddink a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, and he's influential still at Chelsea, you know, he's still got Abramovich's ear, and he said he was telling them that somebody like John Terry can't leave the club, you know, he's got to be involved in the future, sort of Chelsea in whatever role that he wants, and... and the same would go for people like Lampard. So I thought that there might just be a seamless move from, from Terry into a coaching role next season. I didn't expect him to be playing for Chelsea next season, I'll be honest, but I thought we might see a retirement uh, uh, and, and, and a new coaching job for him the way Steven Gerrard is, is at Liverpool. So it's interesting that he still feels he's got it in him. It's interesting the timing, given it's not Chelsea under a slight bit of pressure. Maybe John's applied a bit more pressure um, in that way of his. Uh, now, uh, I think somebody will take him. Uh, plenty of clubs will take him. You know, Tony Pulis will never look at age and he's, he's already interested, isn't he? And there's mm. others. In terms of quality, I think the thing that's always struck me about John Terry is we, we've sort of categorised him as the kind of classic English centre-half and his contemporary Rio Ferdinand as a great football-playing centre-half. And I actually think they were, they're both a lot closer to each other than you'd think. Terry's a fabulous footballer, brilliant passer of the ball, Great touch, great skills, scored a lot of goals as a central defender. And his technique and his, his, his game appreciation has always struck me. That's before you get to the whole, you know, brave-hearted, head on the line. Leader all, legend, all leader that Leader legend, stuff. all that stuff. He can yeah. do all that. He's always had that. But he's a good footballer, John Terry. Really good footballer. Um, and it, it's, it's a shame in a, in a different national team set. We always go back to this. John Terry and Rio Ferdinand and the midfield they had in front of them, you know, should have won... A few things. Well, John, you know, the way John is talking, you know, Arsenal might need a centre-half like that. <laughs> I was just thinking of that. <laughs> what, 
wonder what his Have team. Oh uh, well, I mean, he's, I, I do think. Yeah, I, I think you know, West Brom rightly so. Bournemouth were linked in the, in, in in January, weren't they? And I definitely think there was interest there. But what about higher? You know, mm. because he's still got so much to offer. I'll tell you what, it's really interesting in the timing, isn't it? I can't help but feel, as Jonathan rightly says, John, John <laughs> Terry kind of sometimes does push things a bit hard. But I wonder whether it's also on the back of what must have been devastating for him on Sunday. Because he's so proud and he's so, still such a good player that basically when the call comes, it's Zuma. Mm. Yeah. And I know that it yeah. would have been sort of kind of reverting the... The um, sort of the, the defence because he would play on the other side, and so you kind of mixing up, mixing it up and stuff. But Terry's a good, good player, and kind of the, the, I did think they looked defensively weak. That was obvious on Sunday. And Terry must be thinking, well, you know, if I'm not one of the first three in the back three, and then Zuma's getting the call as he did indeed the, the, the other week, you know, against City, then Terry must be thinking, blimey, you know, I, I'll have to go. Because I do admire him and I still think he's got so much more to offer. I think if we break it down, I think the best central defi- defensive partnership uh, in, in Premier League era was, was Terry and Carvalho. I think they, were, they had everything. They were absolutely magnificent. I know people would throw sort of um, Ferdinand and Vidic mm. and Arsenal would, put, would offer up Campbell and Torre. But I think that Terry, as, as a brave heart, I think, and still as a defensive qualities he could play in a top six team in my view Man City <laughs> honestly and then sort of you, you can't tell me that Otamendi's better than John Terry no chance mm. and as you say I mean Gabriel sometimes looks as if he's, he's a fan who's won a competition to play for Arsenal so <laughs> I mean blimey you know it's uh, Terry would be would be better mm. you know for the what about that guys. Arsenal defence if you look at it uh, Sunday another really Intriguing FA Cup semi-final. Uh, you know, Wenger maybe surprised a few of us by going three at the back in that in that win at Middlesbrough. Do you read much into that? Ooh, I, 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 this sounds really cynical. I almost read that Wenger is running out of ideas and he's just trying things now because it, you know we've got 25 years of evidence that he doesn't do back fours. He doesn't believe in it as a system and. Um, I feel he's just trying something now, looking for looking for answers. I'm afraid that sounds a very negative interpretation, given that they won the game, but didn't look terribly convincing. And I think it's just the the sort of fashion at the moment. I don't think Arsenal have got two really well. They've maybe got two good centre backs. They certainly don't have three. And I think to play three at the back, you need four or five. You need three and, and some reserves. So I don't see it as a long term system for them. Um, that said, against Manchester City. They're going to need numbers back there. They might even have to go back five mm. because those that that attacking tra- that that attacking trio is, is fantastic for them for City at the moment. They've got problems obviously elsewhere in the pitch, but they will be tested in that game. Mm. What's your reading of the situation at Arsenal, John? Well, I do think Wenger will stay on for for another two years and oversee a, a, a building thing. I think it's always been the intention to to you know for, from some time now. Mm. The to, vibes to aren't good though, are they? The vibes aren't good. They basically, it's, I think it's time for change. I really do. But I don't think that will come this summer. I think he'll sign a new two-year contract. And I think it's always been the intention to to kind of leave it until the end of the season, <laughs> let the dust settle. <laughs> if they can pick up an FA Cup along the way, sneak into the top four, which I'll have to say I don't fancy them to do either. But it, it, I guess City sometimes... City, you have to make red-hot favourites to win on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But City are the one team out of the four that Arsenal were, I think, the weakest of the semi-finalists. Ironically, could 
City have defensive lapses. So Arsenal will take heart. They wouldn't stand a chance, I don't think, against the other two. But they might get the odd chance. But we're clutching at straws. And I think Wenger and Arsenal are selling it as a rebuild. And basically they want the, the guy who's sadly kind of been self-destructive in you know, taking apart what was, what was a very promising sort of set of circumstances. He's actually pulled that apart himself. Mm. And now he's being asked to, to rebuild what he's kind of left... You know, a trail of destruction. Well, it's just farcical. Mm. It, it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Because there's really. a really strange mixture of, of incompetence and complacency, not yeah. just in the manager's office, by the way, in the boardroom as well. You know, look at how many, tra- how many contracts yeah. are at a key stage of renewal now. How have they let it get that bad? And this has happened for years. I mean, there's John a test, you know, the, the last contracts these players signed, some of them, like your, your boxes and so on, were, were left to run, weren't they? Mm. Um, it's the way they've always done things. It's because it's been based so much around one man and his idiosyncratic way of doing things. And, and it's, it's fine once that's worked, but it's as if everybody else has taken no responsibility whatsoever and let, let Arsene run it, which is their fault. You know, it's not his fault. Um, the, the, the executives should have been making stronger decisions a long time ago, in ter- just in terms of the nuts and bolts of the club. Recruitment, I think, has been a problem for Arsenal for several years. That department should probably have been shaken up. It's, there seems to be a lack of clarity there. Who's, mm. who's really doing the scouting? Who's in charge? Um, certainly the contracts, um, with old Dick Law sort of waiting till the last minute before phoning people. and That's been good on for... For years, isn't it? Because Wenger's almost painted himself into a corner over Sanchez by saying, "Look, you know, there's a lot of talk about three hundred thousand pounds a week. I'm not breaking my my wage structure." Yeah, I think Sanchez is in a great position now because basically he can he can ride it out. He's on a fantastic earning already. I mean, I, 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 my information is that sort of Özil's been offered two eighty a week, and Sanchez not not quite that much. Certainly in excess of two fifty, and it's. Just, I think Sanchez likes London, likes Arsenal. He's in a great position, so he could see out the contract. If things improve, then maybe he can sign on again. But the one thing that Arsenal will be desperate not to not to do is sell him to Chelsea or sell him to Man City. And I think they'd rather run the risk of leaving him into the final year if they can't persuade PSG to pay up. But look, Sanchez overall, I know he's quite good at Middlesbrough. Last last couple of months, he's been so poor, and his attitude has been very very poor. I think, on the pitch at times and behind the scenes. So really, you know, I know his stats are great, but I have to say sometimes that the destruction that's going on behind the scenes is belied by kind of what's going on the pitch at the moment. It's a big summer for Sanchez, big decisions to make. I don't think it's necessarily that they'll, they'll either sell, and they certainly won't want to, to, to a Premier League rival, but they've got huge decisions to make. But I'd be surprised if he goes long-term in the rebuild with Sanchez in those plans. Mm, a lot of talk that Guardiola's going to rebuild as well. I found it really interesting that he's spent a lot of time stressing the need for mental strength. He's obviously got doubts mm. about that team, hasn't he? Yeah, so he should. I mean, they dealt so badly with that Champions League um, knockout game against, knockout tie against Monaco. Even the, even the victory at home was a kind of a haphazard victory where they... You know, they came back from the brink, having having imploded. Um, they've they've not done well in the big games, and and John's right that the one team that Arsenal probably have got a chance against is City because they they haven't got a great big game record, big team record in in, in this season's Premier League. Um, I'm not sure about Guardiola's mental strength this year. 
I'm not questioning it overall as a manager. He's, he's a genius. But he's been spooked at times. He's been very emotional at times. Uh, I think a, bit, a little bit erratic in his pronouncements that we've seen anyway. Um, yeah, he says there's more pressure in Italy or yeah. in Spain or in Germany. He doesn't look like he's feeling that. And I don't think he was under as much pressure at Bayern Munich. He, he, he was probably under as much pressure at Barca. I think that's a real goldfish bowl job. Um, I just think there's, 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 there's questions, there are questions about how he's handled it as well as his team. Um, but it is a, the other thing that's interesting to me is that you know defence is a glaring issue for Manchester City. Every time Guardiola talks about something, he talks about something else. It's attack. You know we need to attack better, or it's our mental strength. I mean, address the first thing and then then go from there. I'd have thought. Mm. Let's look at Manchester United if we could. Um, you know, a huge uh, reaffirmation of Mourinho's style uh, in that win over Chelsea. <clears throat> what about the Euro Europa League? Do you get the sense that he's prioritising that? Yeah, I do. I thought it was clever management on Sunday because he's shaken up the squad, shaken up the starting lineup. He's got fresh legs in there that's beaten Chelsea. But actually, at the same time, he's managed to rest Slatan, <laughs> you know, for Thursday. And it's, it is impressive. He's managing to talk, turn over this team. And look, I, having watched that, that first leg in Belgium, I, I just felt that United had far too good. I mean, they, they are on a different level. They should be winning mm. that game, finishing that second that leg off. It should have been about 2 or 3-0, yeah. Of course, it? it should be dead in the water now and they should be through, effectively. Um, and, and now they've got a little bit of a nervousness, I think, probably about them. But I think they'll get through. But I think it's fantastic that United are taking it seriously. And I hope that they go on to win it. Because we need English clubs to, to kind of really take a pride in this and show that it's important in the Europa League. I mean, Liverpool reached the final last year. They could have e easily won it, I, I think, with you know better luck on the day. They're, they're outclassed in the final, let's make no mi mistake about that. But Chelsea have won it previously. But the vast majority of clubs, in English terms, see it as a nuisance, an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, it's a marriage of convenience for, for Man United in a way because they're struggling to get top four. But now they're on the up. But I think it's fantastic that, that someone like Mourinho has embraced it and is trying to win it. And hopefully they can light down. Because I really like the competition. I think, it's, I think you know, I want English clubs to do well in it. Do you think the trophy could be Zlatan's leaving present? I, I, th I think he'll stay another year, actually. But the question marks are there a little bit in the mind as to whether that would be the best thing for United. I mean, I think he's been fabulous. I love him as a player. But I just thought Sunday was a little glimpse on, on what life might be like after Zlatan. Um, the, the, the pace of, of Rashford gives United a completely different dimension. Jose Mourinho has always been a fantastic counter-attacking coach, so it allowed him to play more like a Jose Mourinho team. Um, Zlatan, though, if he does go after one season, I think he'll have made an enormous contribution to that club. He's carried them this season. And he's, he's developed some of those young players. And he's really taken on the mantle of, of being the, the leader of that team. And if he did go, that would be the biggest thing, actually, that I think they'd miss. Because they're going to lose Rooney as well. Mm. And so, Carrick as and well. Carrick. Well, maybe, yeah. Mm. So, so there'll be, be a leadership gap, which is why, going back, I think he probably will stay in the end. Um, but uh, whether that's going to be the, the best thing, I don't know. Mm. Difficult club to play well at consistently. And Herrera, mm. he's been very underrated. Are we just seeing the best of him now? Yeah, I think we are. I think he did a great job. I think he's come on 
I think he was good last season, in fairness. You know, I sort of saw him play well, but he is reaching that, that level. He's so tenacious, isn't he? He's so busy. He's everywhere, isn't he? Annoying. Yeah, he yeah, really yeah. is. He's annoying. Yeah, yeah, he's busy, he's to terrific, quote uh, you know. Gary Neville. Yeah. Well, yeah. he is. He's great. You know, he, I, 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 his man-to-man marking job on the Hazard was fantastic, you know, but he's good technically. He's, you know, very, very simple with, with possession, but, um, but, you know, can drive forward. Is tenacious, good defence, and basically can can hold that line. I think without doubt, in the last couple of seasons, he's been one of United's best mm. players. I think they they have made some decent signings. I think Eric Bai has been a really yeah. good buy. You know, mm. really good. Yeah. Sort of a bit surprised that he's sort of kind of been left off. Sort of you know young player mentions and, and what have you. I think you know to go in there almost seamlessly into that into that defence, and I think United have got a really nice sort of kind of. Structure and you can see that with the right additions, I think Pogba solid, but it's different when you pay eighty nine million pounds for a player, and that's the thing that people would, would, we can't get over, and that that's the issue. But Pogba's had a decent season, shall we say? But he's got the the, the foundations there, I think, for for a, for a decent spell and a decent era of success. And I think Herrera will be a central part of that over the next five years. Mm. Do you see United? making the top four or do you think Liverpool now have just got about enough about themselves to, to hang in there? I think I think Liverpool are the vulnerable one. I think City will have enough firepower to win the games. Um, Liverpool have started winning those games that they were not winning before. Uh, I think they will do it. Uh, but I think United will win the Europa League and be in the Champions League anyway. And wouldn't that be great? Five English teams in there. Mm. Um, I just think United have played so many fixtures they're tired and it will catch up with them. It has caught up with them already. So I just don't see them winning as many of the remaining games as Liverpool. Mm. And with Liverpool, you know, look at Simon Mignolet. Mm. He's re- really reasserted himself, hasn't he? Oh, brilliant. I mean, he's made a crucial save late on, on, on Sunday, didn't he? I think he made one of the saves of the season at Stoke when, again, both games, I think last season, you could have said, well, they, they, they lost one of them. Um, I think it was Charlie Adam, wasn't it? Had a great mm. chance at 1-0 for Stoke. Well, that's a turning point of the season. Mignolet was much derided o- over the course of of this season, particularly early part of the season. And I just think he's come back and really proved himself to be a really good shot stopper. Yes, there's flaws in his game, maybe you know, kind of commanding the penalty box, but he's been crucial for Liverpool in this run. And they are just eking out these wins, these wins, these wins. Got to keep it in context also for Liverpool. I remember sort of kind of doing my pre-season predictions. I fancied them to finish fourth. Mm. And I thought that would be incredibly optimistic for Liverpool. But I fancied them just to nick in there because I think Klopp has got this energy. He's building something. I think he's good going forward long term. And I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact if they can cling on to fourth, I think that would be a really good first full season for Jurgen Klopp. I think we shouldn't underestimate that from where they've come from. And I think they'll only get stronger, particularly if they can guarantee and offer Champions League football to new signings in the mm. summer. I think that's great yeah. progress, that. How do you see that team evolving then, Johnny? Uh, well, Let's talk about Oxlade-Chamberlain going there. Yeah, the, what, 35 million? Yeah, I think, I think the price tag is, is, is eye-watering, really, for a player who's got obvious gifts but hasn't put it together yet in his, his early 20s now. He's not a kid anymore. But what we've seen from Jurgen Klopp is that he, 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 what I like about him is he, he knows what he's looking for in a player. So when he signed someone like Gini Wijnaldum, 25 million, I, I, my eyebrows were, were raised at that one. But he, he knew the role, he knew exactly what he wanted out of him. 
Um, Mane was a much better player, but you know, again, he's got more out of Mane than I think we might have expected. So he clearly, he clearly sees something in Ox. Um, uh, I think he's he's exactly the template: young, energetic, physically powerful, but also also gifted. Um, new defenders, maybe maybe a proper left back. Do you see Seco no, going back there? No, I think Seco's bridges were. Burnt on Alcatraz, actually, <laughs> more or less, or before then. Look, with Klopp, and we've seen it with, with Sturridge, it doesn't matter how good you are as a player, you've got to buy into it. You've got to be part of the, the gang, the ethos. You've got to do what, you've got to be like Jurgen, as, as, as sort of positive and, and team orientated as, as he is. And I just don't think he's seen that in Sacco uh, or indeed in Sturridge. And if you're talking about the future, I think he'll, he'll leave this summer. Mm, this Look at the Champions League now, if we could. You know, all roads, or the M1, we're all hitting the M1 <laughs> for Leicester this evening. Trying to get back a 1-0 deficit against Atletico Madrid is fiendishly difficult, isn't it? Well, just look at their record. Um, their record is, is, is better away from home. They, they've built up a reputation as a counter-attacking team. They've got pace in them they are dangerous they were missing a couple of players in the first game and yet actually I, you know Leicester they could have basically I mean they were very unlucky to concede the penalty but really they were absolutely under the cosh at that stage and I thought when that goal went in I thought oh blimey this is going to be a long night but then to come back again and be so brave was, was very commendable and I thought I painted a sort of a you know when I reported on it I painted a sort of heroic sort of kind of rear guard action which I think it was Actually, we've just seen this shift when you sort of kind of dwell on it a little bit more. Seen this shift that, that it's so important not to lose an away goal, uh, as indeed mm. Atletico didn't. It's seen even as a nil-nil is a decent yeah. result because you go away from home and one of the best teams at, at scoring and creating chances away from home is Atletico. I think they're in the box seat. I think that Leicester... You know, a big underdogs, capable of doing it, but big underdogs. One of the great things about the Champions League is it gives you that platform and you can really examine a player mm. at the highest level. You were both in Madrid. Griezmann, yeah. how good is he? Well, for, for me, that was a, that was a moment of, of, of seeing actually what Griezmann really is going to be as a player. I'd seen him before, uh, always thought, yeah, he's, he's nice, I can see the potential there, but when you're not seeing somebody all the time, you're maybe not necessarily seeing them at their best. And that might not even have been his best, but it, he was pretty good. And what I saw in him was, uh, it, it, it was that Messi-like quality that he just dominated the team, absolutely dominated them. He, he roamed where he wanted to, to roam, which in the Simeone system, you've got to earn that right. Um, his pace on the counter-attack amazed me. I didn't know he had that speed in him when he, when he won the penalty. His intelligence... Um, just his leadership, because that's the other sort of thing you wonder about him. So I can see now why he's he's going to be one of the top you know, four or five players in the world if he's not there already, um, and and also why probably Manchester United are going to try and break the world transfer record again to to bring him this summer. Do you think they've got a chance of getting him? <sighs> I, Real, I think... Real Madrid look nailed on to me. Well, I think they've got a chance of getting him and I do think some of the figures will, will go up and up because he is fantastic. He's got so much ability and his ability to sort of drop behind, link the play, just everything. He's mm. got absolutely everything and he is going to be an absolute superstar but you, 
you're right. I think he has to make this this choice. I think the biggest thing for United is rather like with Latan, if it, you know, they're ambitious to keep him. It's all about the Champions League. You can't. I don't think personally. I know they'd sort of attracted. You know, Pogba, for example, but, but he had the history, didn't he? Yeah. He had the yeah. history, and it's slightly different. The money was yeah. was was crazy as well. I just think with 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 Griezmann, I think he he will make a decision based on which team can offer me the opportunity to go and win the Champions League. Or if a team that's after him and are definitely in for him aren't even in the competition, I think mm. that's the decision made for him. Mm. Where do you think? Real Madrid are in their development cycle. You know, Gareth Bale isn't playing yeah. at the moment. You know he's been quite fragile this season. Mm. What about Cristiano Ronaldo? How long yeah. do you think he's got at the very, very highest level? Well, I'm not sure Real Madrid do development or have development cycles. They just <laughs> they, they, they break all the rules, don't they? Um, Ronaldo's gonna he's gonna, he has to stay there because of the money. They can't afford you know, commercially to lose him, marketing-wise, and, and nobody can pay him the money, and it's a manager convenience because I don't think him and the president there are, you know, best buddies. Um, but he'll stay there, being, becoming ever more the kind of goal poacher, number nine, and doing it less and less. But uh, but he's, he's earned the right to do that. Bale's an interesting one because this was the season he was supposed to be the new Cristiano, and it hasn't quite happened. I know he's had injuries. Um, the development, they'll just buy more really good players and keep winning and keep being the team that beat in Europe. That's what they do, isn't it? Simple, then. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I think they'll raid the Premier League. I think they'll go for it with David De Gea. I think De Gea, yeah. I think, will probably go there. I think United might do it now as well. Yeah. Well, seems that way, doesn't it? It's mm. all moving in that Rather direction. Courtois? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think they've made up their mind. I think um, uh, just a little hint towards, you know, sort of I, I've had is that Courtois will probably stay now. And, you know, Real Madrid, I'm sure... We'll hear those jungle drums and basically be going for all out for. They had to make a choice between one of the two, and I think they obviously feel that De is within range. But look, the one that I think they're, they're massively going for is Hazard. Yeah. Hazard has got such a big decision to make, and I think Real Madrid think they've got a great chance of getting him. Chelsea are adamant that they'll basically they'll time to. It's new not contract. going away, is it? It is not going away. It will be the saga of the summer, whether he stays or goes. But the one thing is for sure that it will go. I think that Real Madrid will offer huge amount. I think they'll try and throw in Morata, and I think they'll they'll reach a certain level which Chelsea, more than any other club, can, you know, say no to. But when the player makes up his mind, and if he was pushing to go, you're in an impossible situation. Mm. And I think Hazard himself personally has got massive dilemma this summer. Mm. One of my favourite players is saying his farewells at the Bernabeu, Xavi Alonso. Oh. You know, he to me had the perfect farewell statement where he just said, lived it, loved it. Yeah. How good has he been? Oh, I mean, funny, I've played this game with friends before where you say, you know, which, which top footballer would you like to be? And for me, the, the answer's never been messy. It's Jabby Alonso because I think the guy's got everything as a, as a top player, but also as an individual, he's just a classy guy, rounded person. You know, he's even got a. A beautiful apartment on the beachfront in uh, San Sebastian, which those don't come around once in every fifty years, and he's got one. Um, he's been he's been just class at, at, at four, three, four really big clubs now. Um, maybe should have won a little bit more um, Champions Leagues, but then he was part of the greatest comeback of of all time in Istanbul, uh, and he's still a really, really good player. And he, he combines the cerebral aspects of football with, you know, he gets stuck in as well. He, he didn't shy away in the Premier League. 
um, but a beautiful reader of the game, beautiful passer. And yeah, I'd love to, the romantic in me would love to see him get to another Champions League final, but I don't think it'll happen. Mm. I'm just enjoying the, 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 the picture, <laughs> the, man the picture of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man crush and wishing to be. I haven't seen your house, but yeah. I can tell you he's very composed on the ball for the England press team. <laughs> <laughs> the England press team, I hasten to add. Uh, yeah, yeah. Got a ringer. The ringer, yeah. <laughs> Talking of comebacks, as Johnny was doing there, Barcelona, have they got any chance of coming back 3-0 down? It was amazing, the energy that they had, obviously, in the last round. And... and I just thought, wow, they, they, they're kind of, surely they, this is written in the stars that basically they'll go on to do something really significant in the competition. Unfortunately, we were quickly told that actually that's probably Barcelona and where they are now is basically is, is losing to PSG and any other team would have gone out. And also their level is losing heavily and, and being done basically by Juve. I cannot see Juve throwing this away, cannot for the life of me doing it, see it because they're, they're much more disciplined defensively, they've got more class players, a little bit more pedigree I would suggest and you know a manager also who I think will set up knowing what they did in the last round and make sure that doesn't happen again. I think they'll go for it, they've got attacking prowess, I don't know, they might even give us an entertaining game, can I see a miracle happening twice? No. No, I can see Juventus winning the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, those great defenders and Buffon behind them, they're not going to crack in this one, are they? And um, If I'm talking about Alonso getting one more crack at the Champions League, well, they deserve it as well, because it's been a quest for that Juventus team. You know, they, they were unfortunate to run up against Barcelona a couple of years ago, but they've been a terrific side. There's a generation, their pillow's gone, but the rest of them remain. Dybala's such an exciting talent. Um, he can be anything he wants to be. That kid, yeah, can't he? he's he's. I mean, he's being billed as the the Messi successor in Argentina. And comparisons are stupid, but he's certainly their next superstar for sure. Um, and what Ju Juventus have had this evolution over the last five years to being this team that's fantastic to watch. You know, for me, thinking about them in the Champions League, I, I always remember the dogged side that Conte actually played for that that sort of spoiled games and 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 all, were always there or there about. But they're fantastic to watch. I think they. I think they probably would get my money if I was betting. Mm. And talking of fantastic to watch, what about Monaco? Well, I just think that they are the most entertaining team in Europe at the moment. I mean, they do score more goals and in Jardin they've got a, a coach who's really going places. <laughs> He's the most understated guy. I mean, I watched them in Man City. Um, sorry, I watched Monaco beat uh, Man City in, in, and they were at turn leg. I saw both games and they were brilliant and obviously a fabulous player. But the manager is just so understated. He just kind of, he'd done his press conference, I'd finished my rewrite. A couple of us were sort of waiting, trying to find the way out. Because sort of kind of through the back door of the Monaco's rather strange, inbuilt sort of kind of stadium. If you've ever been there, you'll mm. know what I mean. But it's, it's it's sort of in between flats almost in this bizarre place. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's strange. And the, the, there was the manager just very, you know, sort of humbly saying, goodbye, have a nice evening sort of thing. Rucksack over his back. Sleep, <laughs> sneak, sneak, yeah, he was, yeah. Unbelievable. Sneaking, sneaking, out the, sneaking out the back door. It was just <laughs> amazing. You know, he's just so humble and sort of kind of, he has built the, the most entertaining, unbelievable team. I mean, you could, where do you start? I mean, up front, you know, I mean, it's just Mendy at left back. Even you can win games. Amazing. <laughs> you know, they're just brilliant to watch. Every position you've got an entertainer. They, I'm sure that clubs will try and raid them this summer. That's their biggest danger. But I'd love to see them 
as a as a romantic here, mm. stay together because they they have got the goals in them and the capabilities. They will concede goals. That's the biggest problem. Mm. But they have got the capabilities to go and win the Champions League. Make no mistake about it. I think they're the outside bet, but they they would be the most entertaining bet. Should that first leg have been played when it was played? No, not at all. Um, and, and those things sicken you about both FIFA and UEFA that they do not care. They do not care one bit apart from the TV schedules, getting the getting the the, the sponsors happy, making sure that everything keeps rolling. I, I thought it wasn't the human decision to to play. It certainly wasn't the human decision to treat Dortmund the way that they did. Seemingly not really take them take their feelings into account. And and it was really difficult that evening. Mm-hmm. I think we saw the Nuri Sahin interview for for all those those Dortmund players. And and that's a slight sort of sadness that if this great exciting Monaco team do go through there'll be just a little bit of an element that you know maybe Dortmund didn't get a fair crack in this tie. Mm. Let's finish where we began really, FA Cup semi-finals. This has got the makings of a classic weekend. Who is going to emerge from this weekend? I think Tottenham will win. I just think they're in a better place at the moment. They've they've got a belief and form. I think the biggest thing about against Tottenham is, is Wembley. I think Chelsea also will obviously be determined to kind of re- rebuild and go again, reshape, regroup. But I do think that Tottenham will win that game and I think that Man City will win on, on Sunday. And I think you'll get a great final. I think Tottenham-Man City final will be absolutely fantastic. But, but I do think that, that you know City, I think, just have far too much going forward for Arsenal. And Arsenal looks so weak and short of belief defensively at the moment that they'll, I think they'll be comfortable with us. Agree with that, John? Yeah, I think we'll all be getting our Ricky Vila and our dealers, uh, <laughs> old nostalgia pieces. Steve McKenzie, was it as well? Yeah, City? yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be doing that because uh, I agree with John. Um, Spurs are just so good at the moment, and, and City will have too much attacking wise for Arsenal. I agree with the boys. Get ready for a housewarming party, Spurs fans. Tottenham to beat City in the final. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.